Even in light of what Scripture reveals for us, we oftentimes take a look at the future and question what in the world's going to happen. Well, that's the title of our series we're currently in the midst of here on this edition of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Join us. It's The Great Investigation. We're continuing where we left off last week here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. We would invite you to join us today as we continue with our series, What in the World is Going to Happen? It's a look at end times. What has God revealed to you and I about those end times? And how can we take comfort and heart and be encouraged to minister to others in light of what we know the end to be? That's what today's broadcast is all about. Join us. Here's Pastor Phil Howard. What will I be doing and what will you be doing when you die? Running the race, keeping the trust, looking to Christ, or self-absorbed in your own kingdom. So he's going to judge our methods some way. Because he's saying the way you build on this building, I'm going to hold you accountable. An excellent foundation has been laid. I'm going to hold you accountable for how you build on it, whatever method that is. And along with that is motives. Uh, That I think are motives, because in chapter 4 he says, God is going to expose the motives of my heart. And the Christian life moves from a works religion that's external, external, to the core value of the heart. Why are you doing what you do? And he said that to Israel when he gave up on Saul and he picks David. He said, I picked David. He's not as tall as Saul. He's the least of the boys. I think the seventh son or eighth. But I see his heart. I know he doesn't know how to fight like a soldier. He's still using a slingshot. But I'm going to use the slingshot because the heart's right. He didn't have the modern methodology of how to kill Philistines like none of you Jews have because you're all cowards. He doesn't know anything about technique. He only knows God. And God's going to use what he's got in his hand and he's going to kill the Philistine because God can use anything when the heart's right. But let the heart not be right. Load them up with all the technique in the world. It just won't succeed. Not doing this work. God will not be insulted by any human being that you can improve on doing his work your way. And if you don't bow to his way, you will be eliminated as a temple destroyer. Why are we doing what we do? I can offer my body to be burned. I can prophesy and know all mysteries. I can talk in tongues of men and angels. But if I lack the motivation of love, it will profit me nothing. It may be a profit in the life of other people, but I myself lose all reward if my motive is wrong. I think if Christ alone asked me one question, did you love my people like I commanded you? I said my people will be known by how they love each other. I want to ask you, Phil Howard, individually, personally, did you love the saints? And Lord, there's a lot of them that gets on my nerves. He said, they, they get on my nerves too, but I, did, did you love them? Uh, I love, there's about eight of them I liked. 
One was the one who signed my check. I didn't ask if you liked the saints. I'm going to ask you, did you love the saints? Do you love my children? Lord, don't bring that up. This is all about you and me. No, between you and me, I put my people. You don't love me any more than you love my people. That's why you folks that aren't involved in his church, so you're not involved in him. Because when you're involved in him, you get involved in what he loves, and Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, Revelation 1.5. You start loving what he loves. And I, our staff, not this present group of men, when we were back at Garrison, we all got into a staff argument that lasted for a month over if you had to like the saints as well as love them. And they were in a gridlock. And both of the guys would never give up. One said, I don't have to like them to love them. The other said, you've got to love and like. And we'll let the argument be settled at the judgment seat. How much do you do for the saints to build up this body because you just love Christ and the body? Not you love them because they do things your way. They serve your program, your interest. You love them because they know your Savior. Three, the message. I think this really comes down to us who teach, preach, whatever. Because this church had moved from the focus being on Christ to being on men. They were destroying the temple. What message do you spend your life trying to live by and to give to our culture? Is it our message or our technology that we'll be rewarded for? Is it how we honor Christ or the size of our salary? Is it the size of our resume or the slickness of our style? God is going to ask every one of us, did you on this foundation give them Jesus in your message? Whereas your message about Christ and not about marketing something else. I wish I was technologically smart. I, I just barely do word processing on a computer, but I like to say, oh, I'm into computers. I just discovered the on and off button five years ago. My kids one day came to the house and said, Mom and Dad, when are you going to replace the rotary phones? I said, if it's good enough for the Apostle Paul, it's good enough for me. What's your problem? I pay the bill. Well, they have them where you touch. Don't be talking to me that way. You know, there's a lot of things I've not learned in life because I've been consumed with the message. And I go to these different seminars, and boy, especially the youth culture. I mean, what you kids can do with iPods, and it's fabulous. I, I wish I would just slow down to learn it. It'd be great help. But I won't be judged for it. I won't be judged for it. Because technology cannot do what God called people to do. Technology could be used to market pornography like no, it's the heyday of pornography because we've got the technology. The rewarding will be people that use whatever God gave them to get out the message, the right message. And you must keep that. So I want to say to you, dear saints, you are God's tool. All the other are different skills you have and different things. That's one. But you are the one that will be evaluated. Not all the stuff you knew how to do here. It's going to be you and the message, the motives, and the method. 
I think also he's going to bring up your priorities. I got thrown off several days this week on prayer. And God's so tired of me telling him why I didn't make it. Because I filled it with ministry. Oh, boy, I filled it with ministry. I filled it with other stuff. But when I, when I come to Saturday night, I said, oh, Lord, I didn't pray enough. I said, preacher, you measured every Saturday night. Are you prepared? Well, Lord, you know I, I made that visit, and I did. And you know I made that call. And then I just said, all I'm trying to say, Lord, is I missed you. I didn't keep my dates with you. Because I'm a different person when I pray. And he'll probably ask all of us, why didn't you talk to me more? You could have built better. I would have done more in you. Uh, what was your priority with your time? What was your priority with your finance? What was your priority with uh, the talents that you have and all of that? Uh, just where did I fit? Was I first or last? And, and, and here at the judgment seat, if you don't fill in the blank right, I'll tell you the answer. Because he knows. So there will be no, uh, nothing but the truth when you stand before Christ. And then I think we come to this matter of the quality of the word. This is the one that really, I think, slays me and makes me beg for mercy. If I have to be next to some of the men in history that I've read about, from Luther to Calvin, what minds? Luther, they say, is the most printed man, practically. And, and, and he was running from uh, German rulers, the Pope had out papers to get him. Eck, he was debating with. And he wrote everything longhand. He didn't have a computer, and he's written more volumes than practically any contemporary writer of the day. So did Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards collected uh, strips of paper that he would pin on his coat as he rode his horse. And he wrote all of his 52 volumes at Yale University on paper. He didn't have a computer. He didn't have an IBM, but he gathered scraps of paper in a pioneer church and wrote 52 volumes that Yale has reprinted. God, don't let me be next after you deal with Edwards. Don't let me get up and start telling you why I couldn't write anything. Why I couldn't, uh, uh, well, well, you own a computer, don't you? Not, Lord, that's not fair. He owned a horse. Well, what's a horse got to do with writing? Well, Lord, I, I got a lot of folks to keep up with. Well, it took him three days to go from his church to Boston on horseback. Anybody ever go horseback riding for three days? You stay on a horse for three days? I used to ride horses in Oklahoma. Friend and hours enough I'd, all for me. Legs get raw. I said, no, no, these guys didn't ride all day. No, no, John Wesley put thousands of miles on the back of a horse and died at about 86 just falling off a horse. We got more stuff to expedite us getting God's work done than any generation. And yet, our big issue is, I don't have the time. You got the time, but you don't have the priorities. You've got the time, you just don't have the love that captures you. And your quality of your work, I think of people doing Sunday school classes. I see some folks, and we hear a little bit, they just slam-bam a few things together. They're going to entertain our kids. They don't even know the message. They, they haven't prayed over that kid. And they think God's going to reward that. He's not going to reward you for filling the slot. He's going to reward you for the quality of work that was presented. And slop 
is not worthy of God. Leftovers are not worthy of God. Uh, be a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word. Many of the saints don't know the word because they're too lazy to study it. Their ignorance is self-imposed. This is not an ignorant age. There's more on a computer of Bible knowledge than any generation has ever been able to access. The ignorance is self-imposed. And we'll say, I didn't know, Lord. You knew everything you wanted to know. I wasn't the priority of your knowledge base. We offer seminars around here on how to raise kids, how to have a good marriage, how to do your finances, and we just hope people will show up and they'll be the same ones that will groan, man, my kids are out of control and our checkbook's not balanced. Well, if you could get a teachable spirit, you'd show up when we're teaching you. We offer the classes. Ted just did a class. Larry just finished running finance. Pastor's just doing a premarital class. We're trying to give you the knowledge base to live life successfully in the will of God. Not just to give you another night out, but to help you, to help you. Believe us, we want to help you. And I'm not mad at you. I want you to pass the examination. And you can't worry about what you haven't done. You've got today to start evaluating your life. We're never told what the rewards are in 1 Corinthians, but we have five crowns in Scripture that give us a hint of the areas. There may be more. I don't know. But there's a crown for pastoring God's people as elders. There's a crown for uh, loving people. And uh, there's a crown for remaining under test and not giving in, James 1. Uh, there's a crown for keeping the body under control and not giving in to its lust. And we give a sampling there. And uh, I just ask you, dear child of God, your sins are taken care of. The issue is your stewardship. What have you done with the spiritual gift he gave you? What has he done with the mind he gave you? What, has he done, what have you done with the time he's given you? What have you done with your talents and your body? He's going to just say, I want you to give me an account Rattle it off. And after we say whatever we're going to say, what will you say? Have you prepared the speech? Some of you have been saved, as people I've known. Got saved, they'll tell me I was saved here. I've had people say, I was saved at nine. I started living for God at 33. Everything from nine to 33 is going to be burned up. It's so worthless, God doesn't want you dragging it around heaven. Every excuse for not, he's going to burn up. Because he says he tested, and two results, either reward or loss. Reward or loss. Lord, is it their middle ground? How about a C? No Cs. A or F? A or F? A or F? And it's just going to be you and Christ. And I wish it would be an angel. I don't want to crucify Christ in front of me asking these questions. I preached another gospel. I didn't have time. No, why you, Christ? It is me that you answer to. Oh, please don't put your hands in my face. I don't want to be reminded of the cross at this point. He said, if I would have lived my life on your excuses, there would have been no one to die for you. 
Why did you go, carry to the mission field? Because I loved your word and your name. Ignatius, why were you martyred? I would rather burn at the stake than deny the name. Paul, why were you decapitated? That's no way to go out. I have fought a good fight. I finished the course, and I kept the trust he gave me. He told me I was entrusted with this message, and I'd rather die than to compromise it. And the amazing thing is all crowns are won by the grace of God, so that in Revelation, when we get around the throne, none of the saints will feel worthy to wear something that gives recognition that they won this crown. They will cast it at the feet of him who enabled them to do what they did and say, Jesus, you did it through me. You did it by your power. Uh, hey, here's the crowns. And we cast crowns at his feet. We won't cast wood, hay, and stubble at his feet. It means some will be there that won't have anything to cast. They'll go to the birthday party without a gift. The only reason I like to win anything is so I can give it back to him. I don't need a crown in heaven. I want to be with Jesus. But he said, there's going to be a big celebration on the schedule where we all get to get before the Lamb and all the saints of the church age will say, and those who would like to say something towards the Lamb, what do you want to do? And all of a sudden, all the crowns are cast and we bow and we start singing to him who accomplished his work through us. That will be worth it all. To be able to give Jesus something besides our sins. Give him a crown. Give him honor. Life, let me say this. Until you start living your life in light of your epitaph and what it will be read as. And living it as standing before the judgment seat of Christ. You'll not have an anchor in all the voices to get you off course. Every life is headed towards one judgment seat, and Christ will be the one who decides the winners. Run for your life towards your Christ. And anything you've done in private, if you gave a cup of cold water in his name, if you'll give a kid in Bayo Vista Park a hot dog in his name and paint his face and say, Jesus loves you, little boy. God says, I will record it because you visited me when I was in prison. You fed me when I was sick. You clothed me. You told me the gospel. I take in account everything you've done. Along with your carnal attitudes, your divisive behavior in the church, I hear there are divisions among you, and I believe it. 1 Corinthians 1.10. Are you destroying this church? I've seen churches destroy. Heard of a church last week. It's nearly split. Leadership walked out. Others walked out. Great pain. I was in a meeting. I, I met Bill Yeager, I'll tell you this. He got saved after World War II when his little girl died. And he got saved, and he went to a Baptist business meeting. This is his testimony. Built a wonderful church in Modesto. And here he'd been a gunner in World War II. And that night, when he went to his first business meeting, they were in a church fight. And he said to himself, I'm going to love this. I was taught to fight. 
He liked it. Good. But before the meeting was over that night, this side picked up their folding chairs and left. They split the resources that night and split. And that church no longer exists. I've seen God close down churches. And he said in Revelation, I'll close every one of you seven churches that don't do it my way. And I've seen men lose their ministry. Oh, it was just another woman. Everybody gets to play around a little bit. Shoot, even preachers like another woman once in a while. They got the woman and they were robbed of a crown. They've been benched ever since. They don't have any more fruit for ministry. They've been explaining to their kids why they had the affair. Oh, I, I just uh, got out of line here. I just got mad at the church and resigned. I'm bitter. You stand before the Lord. He said, I gave you this many years as a Christian. How did you invest them? What were your motives, your methods, your message? What was the quality of your work? You did great work on your job. You did lousy work in the church. Why? Well, they paid me a lot of money. I'm going to reward you too. You just have to trust me. Our Father, we are sobered to think that your Son is going to evaluate each one of us where excuses will not pass. Only that which is done for Christ will last. And uh, how can I do anything but tremble myself for I will be there too. And people could brag on the sermons and they could do all they do, but I'm not thereby acquitted. You're the one that is judging motive. You're judging whether I really am a preacher of the word or just a speech maker. You alone know, ultimately. I pray for every Sunday school teacher that thinks their labor's in vain. Let them know that Christ will evaluate their service. Every missionary, every love gift, every volunteer in this church from a Bob Kennedy that works on our grounds all the time to our sister who vacuums our offices and cleans our toilets. Does it matter? Does it matter? It will matter. For a little widow woman just gave everything she had in an eighth of a cent offering. My, my, how you reckon our gifts and weigh our excuses and weigh our priorities. Sometimes, Lord, I don't know what to do. I want to pray all the time, but there's meetings. I get at meetings, and I need to do sermon prep. And then if it's not sermon prep, somebody in the hospital needs a visit. When I'm at the hospital, I'm thinking I ought to be doing this. Sometimes help your people to be focused on your will for their life and to learn to say no to that which keeps us from doing your will. Help us. There are many voices, but one life, a life that will be evaluated before Christ. While your heads are bowed, I, I just urge you as a fellow believer that will be there too. Don't worry about yesterday. Start today. With however many beats are left in your heart, however many days you've got left to serve Christ. 
Our series is simply entitled, What in the World is Going to Happen? It is a small look at a larger series, a prophetic series, taking a look at end times. We're only able to bring you a portion of it here in January. The entire nine-sermon set is available for a gift of $15 or more when you contact us here in the month of January. If you would like the book that accompanies this, also written by our teacher and pastor, Phil Howard, simply ask for it by name when you contact us, What in the World is Going to Happen? And for a donation of $25 or more, we'll send the book along as well. For a copy of today's program on CD, simply get a hold of us and we'll send one out to you, no charge. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Or you can write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue. That's 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. That's here in Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. As always, you're welcome to visit Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. We'd love to see you and spend time with you face to face. Services are at 9 and 11 Sunday mornings. Details and directions can be found at our website, valleybible.org, or again by simply calling 855-833-9864. This broadcast is available here on KFAX on a weekly basis as you come by and sponsor us financially and prayerfully. Linking Arms with Us continues the broadcast of Truth For Today here on KFAX, reaching thousands here in the Bay Area for the gospel of Christ. Further information can be had when you contact us at 855-833-9864. And then come back and join us next week for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Music